Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. Uh, so we're continuing. This is our second week in a sermon series that uh, we're called Divided Church of Christ. And um, Pastor Tony kicked it off last week. And we're focusing on Paul's letter, mostly Paul's letter to, first, uh, to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And so I'm picking up where Tony left off last week. It's still chapter 1, but starting at verse 10. Paul writes, and keep in mind he's writing this letter to the church that uh, he helped start. And so he says this, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. And what I mean is that each of you says something like this, I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I love this next part. Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized into my name. And then he goes on and he says this, and it's in parentheses. This is so real. He goes, so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. Well, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Uh, beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else or not. Like, <laughs> I love that because it's so honest. Like, I, I, I can testify that this is true as a pastor. You, you forget things along the way and you start saying like, did, did I baptize you? Here's a true story that's embarrassing, and I can't believe I'm even going to share it. So I, 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 last time we went to Haiti, which might be the last time we go to Haiti, there was a group of us. We were at, met um, Epiphany from Pickerington. We were teaming up with them to go to Haiti, and so we met at the airport. And I went up to say hi to their group and Pastor Brad Gee. Many of you know him. And uh, so I go up to one of the uh, young women that was on the trip, and I said to her, you look really familiar do I know you? And she said, yeah, you married me. <laughs> it happens. It happens. So then Brad Geek turns over, leans over to me and goes, smooth move, pastor. <laughs> it became the joke for the rest of the trip. So Paul, did I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with the eloquent, eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. So obviously, we have some division that's going on in the church of Corinth, and Paul's writing to address that. He gets word from Chloe from her people saying, hey, you guys are arguing about silly stuff like who belongs to Paul or who belongs to Apollos. This isn't what church is meant to be. And so the word for division that Paul says is this word, schismata in Greek. You know the English word we get from this? Schism, yeah. 
So schismata, it's division. It's obviously a major difference of opinion that's going on here. So I, I was reflecting on this, thinking, I wonder if there was a time before this where after Jesus was crucified and risen and the church starts to form, was there, I mean, we always talk, Pastor Tony talked about this last week, we talk about envisioning the ancient church and how, how we want to go back to that image of what the ancient church, like they were unified, right? But then we come to Corinth and we say, all right, there, there's this argument going on. Maybe it wasn't that major, but Paul's writing to address it. So at least maybe after that was repaired, then maybe at least they had some unity for a while and the church came together and they rallied. And, and so hopefully there was a time where they were unified with one another. That, but then, then I guess at one point, even though the church was one, we separated into two. It was called the Great Schism. And so then, then we have, okay, so then at least maybe then, even though the church now is two, the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic, I like to think that at least then, at least then, those two churches were unified with each other, right? For a while, right? Like maybe at that point, the Roman Catholics, which we extend from, we, they were unified and, until the Reformation, until the Reformation, when, but then, at least then, then, maybe, then we can stop having these silly arguments. We let the Roman Catholic Church go their way, and now we're part of the Protestants. So at least now we're unified, right? We come together until, well, until some people said, well, I go with Luther. Others said, well, I go with Calvin. Some said, well, I go with this guy named Zwingli. And then later, some said, well, I go with this guy named Wesley, and then even later, some said, I go with Joel Olstein, and others said, I go with Warburton, and it, it, it just, <laughs> but at least when we get to Lutherans, right, then, then we're unified, right, as Lutherans, we're, well, except for the <laughs> Wisconsin Synod Lutherans, Missouri Synod Lutherans, we're the ELCA Lutherans, and then we lost like five different groups that left and formed their own synod over this argument or that argument or sexuality or whatever it is. And so, but at least, at least as peace Lutheran church, we're unified, right? <laughs> Except for that time before I got here when 200 people went down the street. Um, so let's do this. At least this service is unified, right? At least this... Pastor Tony, what, where are you going? I'm in the middle of my sermon. I just can't take it anymore. And, and you know what? I'm not alone. There's a group of us starting a second Peace Lutheran Church across the road. We're going to call it Two Church. You're welcome to join me there. I don't even know what to say right now. That was totally unplanned. All right, so obviously I'm wrong, right? Like, even among us right now, we're not totally unified. We have different opinions, different thoughts, different ideas. There is not, not, there is not such a thing as a unified church. Peace is certainly not immune to differences of opinions, differences of thoughts, differences even sometimes in theology. 
No church is immune to that. Peace certainly is no exception. We've had, and we've had over the years in my time here, we've had people that have come to peace and we embrace them, often leaving other churches that they've left, and we've had people that have left peace and gone to other churches. We're not immune to church hopping and changes in opinion, changes in this thought, that thought, transitions. We're certainly not immune to it. And here's Here's what I've had to learn over the years, and I learned this mostly from my days, and it's, it's an ongoing process, but when I started in ministry, I was a mission developer. And when you start a church from scratch, it's starting a brand new church, you have to learn some things quickly because you're starting a church that, that often you attract other people's what we called grumpy people, and they come with their own thoughts, their own envision of what this is gonna be, and when it doesn't happen or doesn't look like what they thought, they'll either cause division or leave. And so along the way, and, and I have to say this, when, when I uh, was called to be a mission developer, before you can be approved to be a mission developer, especially right out of seminary, you have to take this kind of personality profile test, and it's very lengthy. The person who was supposed to give it to me was sick, so filling in was our own member here, Pastor Dwight Hedrick, who some of you may know. And he gave me this two-hour-long test. And the whole point of the test is this, to figure out if you can deal with failure. Obviously, I hadn't looked at my high school transcripts. <laughs> I know how to deal with failure. But part of that is because you're going to have, you're going to try things that are going to flop and you're going to have people that react and people will leave and people will come. And are you okay continuing to move forward? So one thing I've had to learn along the way is I can't take people that come to our church all excited or people that leave our church disappointed to heart. I can't take it to heart. Now it's easier said than done, but I can't take it to heart. And how do I get to that point? You trust that there is a Holy Spirit at work. You trust that there is a Holy Spirit at work. A spirit that is working with people to come, that maybe this community has something to offer, and you hope that the Spirit is at work with people who go somewhere else and find a different community that maybe that community has something to offer them trusting that there is something going on that's larger than we can even begin to understand. So let's go back to Paul's letter here. It says, Paul says this phrase, he says, be perfectly united in mind and thought. He says this to his church in Corinth. Be perfectly united in mind and thought. My first reaction when I read this, what are you smoking? I mean, a church, Paul, come on. It's made up of, last time I checked, people. You're never going to be perfectly united in mind and thought. Why even throw that out there? I mean, sometimes we can't even agree here at Peace on a color to paint a room. How are we going to be perfectly united in mind and thought? And then, so I looked into the phrase of where perfectly united comes from. It comes from this Greek word. Go ahead. Pretty good, yeah. Katertis menmioi. Katertis menmioi. And what this, this is uh, where Paul translates perfectly united. And here's the big discovery. You ready? How about the rest of you? Okay. 
This word is passive. It's passive sense, passive voice. So what Paul is saying is not, you all do the work of becoming perfectly united. It's not what Paul's saying. What he's implying here instead is the Spirit is at work among you. The Spirit is at work among the Corinth Christians, bringing you together. And, and, and the Spirit is knitting this community together, and it's not completed. It's ongoing. I love that sense. It changes the whole verse for me. It's not completed. The Spirit's at work, knitting among you, pulling you together in different ways, even with all your different thoughts and opinions, knitting you together. It's not completed. It's an ongoing thing. Doesn't that feel good when you know that? It like, takes some of the pressure off of all of us having to be like-minded. You know, ancient Jewish rabbis had a tradition, and I love this. It's one of my favorite Jewish traditions. They, they, rabbis love to read the scriptures together, and they love also to argue with each other. They'll come to a passage. Often they'll agree on what the meaning is. It's midrash is often what, what they, they do. They'll, they'll write out different thoughts and ideas or argue about different thoughts or ideas. But when they come to a passage where they all vehemently disagree with each other. Do you know what they do? They don't stand up and march out. Instead, what they do is they celebrate. They cheer. And they say this phrase, God is even bigger than we thought. Like, we don't agree on this. Which means God is bigger than just me. God is bigger than we thought. So a couple weeks ago, we had pub theology. Some of you might have been there. And I threw out the topic of freedom of speech. You know, I try to pick non-controversial topics. And so as you know, that one can kind of go all over the place. But I watched as two of my favorite members of peace come in. All of you are in the top 100, don't worry. But two, two of them come in and... One of them is a very left-leaning individual with lots of great thoughts and wisdom. And the other one also has great thoughts and wisdom and a lot of character, and he voted for Trump. These two sit down right next to each other at the same table. And my first thought was this. Uh-oh. But then as the night went on and they shared and they disagreed and then they continued to share, but they did so with respect and understanding that each other had different opinions and different thoughts. And as the night went on, I realized, wow, God is even bigger than I thought. Like it's a beautiful thing to watch that, to realize two people with different opinions can sh still share the same space and be a part of the same faith, but come at it in different ways directions. You've heard me talk in the past before about one of my favorite authors, Nadia Boltz Weber. Some of you have read some of her books. I highly recommend her first one called Pastrix. But uh, she was formerly, she's uh, doing other things now, but she had started her own brand new church called House for All Sinners and Saints. As you can tell, she's not your typical ELCA pastor. Uh, heavily tattooed her book. Uh, if, if you're against cussing, don't read the book I just mentioned, because she cusses like a sailor. 
but she's very raw and real and has some great theological points. But this church that she started uh, was made up of, as she calls them, misfit toys like her. It's all people who've had addiction struggles, people who uh, have struggled to make it in the world, and most importantly, people who've been turned off by church. And so this congregation grew, and along the way, for one reason or another, they had to move from one location to another, and they found their new location closer to the suburbs in Denver. And she had this vision that all of her community would just kind of transplant over here, and most of them did, but then she ran into another problem. Other people started showing up. People that wore polos and khakis. People that were buttoned up, kind of like here. Like, people like us started showing up. And so she calls one of her pastor friends, and she's like, I got this major problem. Like, I started this community of my misfit toys, and, and this is who we're called to reach out to, and all of these other people are showing up that don't fit our description. And the pastor on the other end of the phone answered her and said, Nadia, you said your calling is to reach out to the stranger. What happens when the stranger that shows up looks like your dad? And it was like an eye-opening. It's like the opposite of what churches normally wrestle with. It's a beautiful story. So think about this. What does it look like for us here in-house or watching online to know that the Spirit's still knitting? It's still knitting. It's, it's still at work. It's not completed. It's ongoing. Now, let me say this, that there will never be a day in the church, here or elsewhere, where we have perfect sameness. We will never achieve that. And why would we even want to? Because that would be very boring. But what Paul seems to be indicating is that maybe perfect unity is possible. Maybe that's possible. So let me go back to one other thing Paul said. He talks about, okay, you don't follow Paul, you don't follow Cephas, you don't follow Apollos. The same is true today. You don't follow a pastor. You don't follow Pastor Tony. At least not yet. You don't follow Pastor Doug, although I recommend that more. You don't, you don't follow Joel Olstein or Rob Bell or even Nadia Boltz Weber or fill in the blank. We don't follow staff members. We follow, as Christians, the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. And hopefully all the aforementioned names point to that, not to themselves. That's who we point to, wherever the Spirit leads us. So let me close with this. So in thinking about today, I sent an email to Brenda, the director of Gehanna Residence in Need that we call Grin, uh, one of the food pantries here in town. And I asked her, how many houses of worship support Grin? 
in Gehanna or New Albany? How many houses of worship work with you and support you financially? How many would say up to five? Okay. How many say five to 10? 10 to 20? Ready for the answer? 37. 37 houses of worship support Gehanna residents in need. 37. I didn't know there were that many churches. But think about this. So all of these different churches come together for one purpose. Churches that believe different thoughts on baptism, communion, different thoughts on how we read the Bible, different thoughts on who can be a pastor, different thoughts on sexuality, different thoughts on who's welcome. All of these churches have different concepts, different ideas, yet unified in one cause. And that cause also, think about who that serves. It serves people who are immigrants, people with different skin colors, people who are LGBTQ, people with different political, and, and these Diverse group of congregations supports this diverse group of people. No questions asked why. Because all of our faith tells us this is what makes God smile. There is hope that we can be perfectly united. Amen.